Hello and welcome to another episode of the Restless Keg Syndrome Fantasy Football Podcast for this, the new 2020 year. And uh, as I like to do in the first episode of a new season, um, I like to start it off by talking to the current champion, last year's final winner, which in this case is Mr. Andy Snell. So Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Um, as I mentioned, I do like to um, have a conversation with uh, the previous year's winner, um, unless that's me. So in the fourth year of doing it, I think this is the second time I'm having this conversation. Um, not really sure why that is. Um, Andy, congratulations on winning. How's it been for the last year, knowing that you are the best of all your friends? It's a nice change, seeing as for the first three years, I was absolutely awful at this. I think I... In regular season, the first two years, I think I got three wins each year. And in the third year, I got five wins. I was absolutely dreadful. So it was nice to um, get on a run at the end of last year, scrape into the playoffs, and then, uh, and then stay on that run and, and, and sneak a win in the final. So, uh, I, so. I, think, I think you're understanding yourself. I think I had you down as a very strong team from, from quite early in the season, and we can get into how that happened. But let's go over the, let's go over the final. You, um, you played me in the final. Um, you, you beat me. I didn't put up a very good performance. You, you did everything you needed. Talk, talk me through your experience, because I think you, were, you had quite a, a live, um, a live uh, ex- experience yeah. of what happened. Yeah, so, so I, I was in Minnesota over, over that weekend, because it was uh, obviously around Christmas time. And uh, um, I got an early Christmas present from my in-laws of tickets to see the Packers-Vikings game at, at the Viking Stadium. It was Monday night. And as it turned out, uh, going into the Monday night, the very final game, um, we both had two, two players playing. I think you were about 17 points ahead going into the game. So I, get to go, I got to go and watch the game. And as it turned out, um, see, see, my, uh, see my team win. Although, unfortunately, it did mean the, the Packers scoring lots of points. Um, I, I, I was, it was exciting to watch the game and exciting to be sort of cheering, sort of cheering on certain players. Unfortunately, it meant I actually had to cheer on Packers players and Aaron Jones in particular. And uh, I particularly remember there was a 50 or 60-yard run um, in the, probably the fourth quarter, which gave me the win or, or put me ahead. And I was there going sort of very quietly cheering. <laughs> well, well, I would be trying to look like I was hating it when, as I was surrounded by Vikings fans. Um, but yeah, the final itself was, I would say, pretty poor from both of us. <laughs> Looking back at it, um, it was it, it was interesting. I mean, I think I think the right result happened in the end. I think um, I was just looking it over. I've, I've just pulled up the uh, the score here. Uh, don't want to get too too much because I um, will we'll have shivers. But um, I think pre-game uh, you were projected ten points ahead of me. I think I had a pretty strong mid. You know, the Thursday game, the early games, and then I had say seventeen point lead to defend. But I think you had the the point scoring players coming in. Um, but man, I was, t- I, I mean, I, I scored 80 points in total. I mean, that's where we came from. And, and more than half of those were from Kenyon Drake and George Kettle. I just, you know, I had injuries and my, my two wide receivers combined scored 0.4 points. It was just awful. But, but then even, I mean, you, you got 88 and, um, I think as I remember, it, it did came down very close to the end. It was a Aaron Jones needed to put up a, a, a big run and a score and he did. So yeah. being there in the, in the stands to see it. 
Yeah, I, I, it was great. I, but I remember on the Sunday, and I think there were Saturday games that we I, I was watching, and I was just terrible. I mean, it, it was awful. I was I was getting no points. And then I think Lamar Jackson, who was by far double my start it. season, double it. Yeah. Um, like he he got a load of he didn't do well in the first half, and I think he picked up all his points in the fourth quarter as well, just to sort of bring me back in with a chance. But I. Yes, I, I had the better players going into the Monday night game, but Adam Thielen and, and the Minnesota kicker, you'd expect to get more than 4.2 points between them. So, um, you were pretty... Yeah, I mean, they say it's a game of running backs and wide receivers. And if I look at I mean, your running back scored Nick Chubb, four and a half, Mike Boone, 3.3, DeAndre Hopkins, two, Keenan Allen, six. My guy's got Zeke, eight, James Conner, three, Adam Thielen, point two, Anthony Miller, point two. So... Not a not a great advert, but I you know I'm, I was very happy for you. I I, I was uh, I thought throughout the season you well I th- I thought you had one of the strongest teams, and I don't mean any disrespect to Dan and Erin, who I thought had fantastic seasons, and I think ended up in the third fourth place playoff. I don't think I was the second best player in it. Um, anyway, I'm, I've pulled up here the um, the draft that we had last year. Um, and I remember it during the draft, seeing a little bit of what was going on around me and just thinking that you'd been having very solid picks going through that. I don't think we quite realized at the time how strong it was because um, I think you had a pretty consistently good season throughout. But um, talk us through your, your strategy and, and what you were thinking going in. And did you manage to stick to it? Did you, were you sort of tempted to deviate? Did you see any sort of shiny nuggets that, that, that threw off your strategy? Or how did you approach it? So, so my strategy was, again, like, as I said earlier, I, I was terrible the first three years. I mean, consistently down at the bottom. Um, I, I, I did actually do some statistical analysis to show that I was the unluckiest player <laughs> by a distance. Unfortunately, I, I, I remember hearing that at many parties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, if, if you actually adjust for the luck, then I think I become the second worst player, <laughs> the worst player. So I was bad. And then I was also unlucky. So I sort of, figured I should try and change it a bit and I, I definitely made a, a decision to go more running back heavy um, early on and that was my sort of my plan uh, I then picked a wide receiver in the first round so it doesn't always mm-hmm. work out um, I, I was really hoping to get Le'Veon Bell in the first round um, and Joe was actually round here so I was sitting with Joe and he was picking just before me and picked Le'Veon Bell um, with hindsight, I'm very glad he did. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that could have messed things up a lot. But I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, he was like by far the best wide receiver in the draft. That's who I picked the first round, picking seventh. Um, Michael Thomas happy. would like a word. Pardon? Michael Thomas would like a word. Yeah, like at the time, he seemed best. He had a oh, very time, mediocre season. At the time, sure. Yeah. yeah, very mediocre season, Hopkins. It was like, he was never worth dropping, but he, he had very few standout games and uh in hindsight that was a really bad pick but um I, I think it was tough around there i mean looking at the first round here we had we had saquon z mccaffrey kamara who i've noticed are still the same for this year so i think they were always considered pretty pretty solid locks then it went david johnson i mean he just became an old man and essentially retired halfway through the season. Le'Veon Bell, a lot of volume, didn't really do anything with it. Hopkins didn't do much. Connor was always injured. Tariq Hill was injured for a large part of it. Adams, I can't remember. I think he was all right, but he wasn't, he wasn't the star you'd, you'd hope. OB, OBJ and then Michael Thomas, who was good, and, and Julio. So, I mean, that second half of the first round, was, was, there was nothing there, really. 
No, and, and I'd picked David Johnson up the year before, I think, with the third overall pick, and he'd, he'd done nothing. Um, I had Devontae Adams the year before, who'd been great for me. Um, but a later uh, round pick then. Been... I don't think it was a first round, was he, back then? No, actually, I, th- I think I traded for him. In, um, yeah. I think traded him for Kelsey the year before. Mm. Um, and But Devontae Adams had been great for me the year before, but... Um, I don't know. Hopkins has consistently year on year been fantastic. And so it was like, pick the best looking player. But as you say, all of that second half, first round, like nothing good apart from Michael Thomas, who was mm. quite a fantastic year. And going into this year is now a, a clear um, first choice at wide receiver. For sure. Uh, For sure. Yeah. But, um, and then how did you find the draft? I mean, did you, were you, at each pick, were you kind of getting the players you wanted? I mean, you've got a fairly balanced draft overall. Top six, you had three wide receivers, three running backs. Top eight, you had four of each. I mean, what's noticeable is that you left it to go for a, a quarterback and then, and then a tight end right after. You picked Lamar Jackson, which is obviously an amazing pick for round 10. Did you target Lamar Jackson or were you thinking of going late for someone? Yeah, no, I, I was actually targeting Lamar Jackson because... The one thing I have done pretty well over the years is drafting quarterbacks in this. So let's forget the first year where I didn't know what I was doing. But in 2017, I think I drafted Deshaun Watson um, as a rookie. And he was probably, I I don't know the stats, but probably a top five or six quarterback that year. Um, 2018, I I drafted the Holmes. Let's not talk about the time I then traded him away for Devonta Freeman, who went on to IR two days later. Mm. Uh, But... And so I think that I was targeting Jackson just because of his running. I wasn't expecting him to throw as well as he did. Um, but you can pick up so many points with running touchdown, rushing touchdowns from quarterback. And I figured like, I can pick him up. I don't have to reach high. Like Somebody is going to go for the homes in the first four or five rounds. And in the end, it was actually in the third round. Um, I think Lamar Jackson, I, probably, I would have probably taken Deshaun Watson ahead of Jackson. But then Jackson was my third choice. But I also figured it probably I, I could probably wait to get him, uh, which which turned out right. Now, obviously, there's no way Jackson's going in the tenth round this year. Uh, of course, of course. I'd be surprised if he makes it to the third round. Um, I I've, I noticed also last year you in the the fifteenth pick, which is I consider sort of a throwaway. It's kind of you you have a chop. It's probably the first guy off your roster, but um, just in case they blow up, you had Josh Allen in there, who to me is in that same mold of not considered to be brilliant with his arm, um, although Lamar Jackson ended up being there, but just gives you that points floor with, from, from the rushing totals. No, exactly. And then that, 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 that's, that was my, definitely my thinking on the quarterbacks. It's like a second quarterback or any of the, the late round picks, I'm sort of going for a high ceiling potentially. Like mm. Josh Allen didn't know what it'd be like, but he could have potentially been very good. And I think he was actually a, a really good fantasy quarterback last year. Mm. Um, I mean, not necessarily top five or six but he was probably top 10 um at, at a guess um so i think josh allen could have another good season this year who knows but like those late round picks the way uh, i think yeah, right, the, 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 you, you go for ones that have a high ceiling and and, and you hope they pay off and, and you and you know you're going to be and you know you're going to be picking up people on waivers soon, and they're going to be the guys that if they're not doing anything, I mean, just look at it. There's not a lot out there back then. I oh, well, I suppose Marquise Brown had a big big week one. Um, <laughs> I mean, you get you get running backs who whose starter went down. Not even many of them last year, really. Um, I can't even pick someone out. 
I mean, Tom at the very last pick of the of the draft got Devontae Parker, who by the end of the season was a top twelve wide receiver. Um, that's that's a standout. Um, but yeah, there's not much. There's not much in there. I mean, can I talk about my draft for 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 for, for a little bit? Because um, in this in the way that I mean, yours looks really solid. You look like you just sort of out there chopping trees and getting getting decent picks at every one. I just felt the draft really got away from me. I had um, I had pick two with Zeke very happy with that it then snaked back round and i just felt that what am i 23rd pick i felt there was 22 players of a certain tier and up and then a massive drop off to 23 and i actually traded tried trading up even like one or two places just to get in that in that zone without any success and I, and then i just thought oh someone will just go off script and pick someone they're not supposed to and then i'll and then i'll sneak into that round and they didn't and everyone everyone picked i mean pretty much what what they should have done i thought everyone did very well so by the time it came to me at 23 i was then i'd missed i just missed out on delvin cook pick before me um derrick henry was there but i didn't rate him at, at that point I, I thought he was fine um and I'd, i was kind of into titans because the year before i'd been having to play two two tight ends so i'd had a lot on my mind so um i had george kiffle which i was happy to get end of the second round maybe possibly slightly early but then i was just staring at i just didn't know what to do with my third round pick so um there was a bunch of running backs which i probably should have gone for because i ended up being very thin on them but it was a carry on johnson devonta freeman sony michelle i just didn't i just didn't fancy them so I thought, right, well, I'll go for a good wide receiver because I always find myself light on wide receiver and, and be chasing them. And then I'm staring at um, Amari Cooper, who I also didn't really rate, didn't really want. And I would have had Zeke, so I didn't want to have two Cowboys in my first three picks. So I ended up picking Adam Thielen, who was at the end of the third round. And then as a result of that, the, my next pick was the 4-5 the turn. And basically all the running backs are gone. So I spent the rest of the draft trying to trying to find some usable starting running back. So I ended up with the Sean McCoys and Carlos Hyde just to try and get a second um, a second running back in there. I did yeah, hit on I did hit on Austin Eckler. That was my exactly. that was that was my one. But coming out of it, I still thought um, he was going to be pure backup to Melvin Gordon. So I at the time of picking, I was just trying to get pick someone who was going to get some touches. Um, so I just I just sort of went through and and then I was I just felt I was behind all the way. I picked five. I picked a quarterback, which I didn't intend to do, but again I just couldn't see anyone out there that I wanted. And the pick before me had gone to Sean Watson. Aaron Rodgers was sitting there in the fifth round. I thought, oh, that's too good, too good, too good to miss. I ended up playing Kyler Murray with my eleventh round pick most of the season instead of him because he was awful. So I just didn't I just didn't like my draft at all. I, just didn't uh, like I mean. I mean- I, I remember you, you actually had a bad start to the season after this draft and, mm. and we, we were all getting excited that, yeah. you, that you were not going to make the playoffs and then your, your normal trading, etc. you managed to sort of put it back. What, what, I, what I did manage, my later round picks were, were good enough to get me some dra- trade capital. So I had a Larry Fitzgerald, he was pretty good at one point, I was able to trade him. Carlos Hyde actually was, was pretty solid, basically slotted into what Lamar Miller was doing the year before. Um, uh, Kyler Murray. I was hoping to. I was hoping to sell Rogers at some point, but he was so bad that I wasn't able to. AJ Green never played. Yeah, it was just very bitty. And, and honestly, I was very lucky to get through through Dan in the in the semifinals to to get into the finals. So, yep. yeah. So, it's interesting yeah. what you say about Adam Thielen, though. But I, I know when I got to my third round pick, I, I had actually been targeting Aaron Jones. Um, and actually, I'd been targeting two running backs at that round, either Aaron Jones or Chris Carson, and mm. I was sort of trying to decide between them. And, I, I, I was looking it up earlier, and Aaron Jones is actually the number three running back for the whole season. So um, Chris I Carson was, was up there too. Who was that? Chris Carson was 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 pretty pretty up there too. Yeah. yeah. No, but I I think the reason I I, I ended up winning was because my second and third round picks hit. Plus, of course, Lamar Jackson, which like 
there's there's a huge amount of luck involved in all this and, and he hit. Mm. But like Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, I think they were two top six running backs. If you've got them plus a top quarterback, then you're yeah. solid all the way through. Um, yeah. So I was lucky there. I just I just thought another another running back would be there in the end of round four and they weren't. So I, I had to I, had, I felt I had to work hard. I felt I had to sort of go off script and work hard, which is you know better than giving up. But um, yeah, I didn't didn't like it. Hoping for a better one this year. Um, all right. So the other thing I, I uh, shared with you was my bit of opposition research, um, which is a one pager I've got on everyone and who they drafted in each round, and then some summary statistics at the end, um, and a few things that jump out on, on this. Um, I think the first one is that people are getting better at drafting. Um, and my metric for that is how many people draft two kickers in a year. Um, it's now down to nobody. Um, but it originally was uh, about a third of people with thought it would be helpful to have a backup kicker on their roster. Um, that's going away. Um, another interesting thing though, coming out of it is the quarterbacks that most people are drafting two quarterbacks. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I'm looking now and I, I've drafted two quarterbacks each year. In fact, you have as well. I was so, surprised to see that I have every year. Yeah, I was surprised. And again, I, I figured last year, um, we discussed it earlier in the 15th round, I picked Josh Allen because I figured that I wanted to take a quarterback who I thought had a high ceiling. I, I think in, I remember going back in the in the first year that we did this, I think I drafted Eli Manning late on, which is, in hindsight, having played the game is stupid. Um, like he, he's, he's always going to be on the uh, waiver wire, etc. Mm-hmm. But I, I think if, if I'm going to draft two quarterbacks, they're both going to be flyers. So they're going to be ones that have they've got a high ceiling, but might completely flame out. And because you can always pick up a steady quarterback week to week. Yeah. Um, I mean, people say that quarterback's not necessarily the most important position in terms of drafting. Uh, and I, th- I think that's probably true. But obviously, if, if you can pick up Lamar Jackson or Mahomes or, or yeah. somebody who has a stellar season like they both had the last couple of years, that's great. But there's not really a big difference between the rest. And so yeah. I would say I, I wouldn't pick up two quarterbacks again. And I generally don't plan to. But then by the time you get to the 15th round, there's not a lot there. No. And no. I, I haven't done enough research to really know between all these running backs who've got a chance. So yeah. uh, sort of go for names I recognize probably, which again, I, I, probably not a smart move. And I think there's a bit of context to my picking two quarterbacks every year. Cause I think one of the years I picked Brady, who was going to miss some time and then come in. So I needed a, a, a backup. Was Brady suspended or something? Or injured? Yeah, Deflategate. Oh, Deflategate. Right, right. So I had him and so I needed someone. And last year I got Aaron Rodgers very early. I always liked Kyler Murray late. And I was hoping that I could um, sell Aaron Rodgers for someone decent and keep Kyler Murray. So that was sort of thinking behind that. But yeah, I was kind of surprised to see that. There are some trends around people that go wide receiver versus running back. I'm slightly more towards the running back. So I've got, I generally draft according to this six running backs. Most people will go for four or five um, and fewer wide receivers. If I look at say Dan, he's ended up very wide receiver heavy. Ollie too. Ollie has drafted seven or eight wide receivers every single year, which is eight being the maximum. Um, so I wonder how much is that sort of mindset? How much of it's just sort of where you fall in the draft? Um, I, I suspect it's more like wide receivers always, there's always more okay wide receivers. Like there's, there's tons out there that you can play. Um, there's, there's a few elite running backs and then there's a massive drop off always. And so it's like, is it worth picking up a ton of uh, running backs 
um, in case of injuries and things like that. And my thinking at the moment is it probably is. And so if you pick up, for instance, like Latavius Murray last year, I remember whenever Kamara got injured, he came in and got 20 odd points. You're not going to play him most weeks, but if he's, if he's not going to make a lineup for those weeks either. Yeah. About, yeah, like yeah. He, he, he can win you, a line, win you the matchup. So I feel it, you're probably better off going with um, the backup running backs, but say yeah. people never take my advice um <laughs> one good year at four and i think my slightly higher running backs is i tend to have some like backup running backs like you say who might come in so it's not like i've got six starting running backs on, on my roster I, I i wish but but likely not but i think I, I generally my last couple of years i remember being weak at wide receiver and it certainly hurt me last year in the final when i scored four yards between the two of them um, uh, all right well let's people might be interested in this year's uh draft so just talk to me about the champion's strategy to trying to retain his crown this year okay so because it worked well last year the first i'm going to say three rounds I, i'm going for a minimum of two running backs um pretty much no matter what and i'm probably going to be going for running backs the first two rounds um the, the the one exception there, obviously it depends where I fall in, in, in the lineup, but the, the one wide receiver I would consider for the first round would be Mike Thomas. But um, I, I definitely want to concentrate on running backs. Um, after that, it, it, it's, I don't know, I, I don't think a long way beyond the first three or four rounds. Um, it, it's make sure I've got plenty of running backs again after the probably the first six or seven rounds it's okay who are the players who might get really good i'm not looking for the people who are going to get seven or eight points every week because you're not going to play them anyway so i'd much rather have somebody who who might get two points one week and 20 points the next if there's a way of predicting that so that basically means good backups or rookies who've got a good chance of coming good or, or people who look like they might have a a, a breakout season um, the people I, I, I've gone off people like Edelman and um, I don't know Crowder they're sort of Jarvis Landry yeah I mean all, yeah all of those where it's, you might get consistent returns but like consistently mediocre returns so I would have loved one of those in the final last year <laughs> I might have won exactly and so four yards um, two, two wide receivers yeah so I, I think that's my plan I mean I, I would love to get Lamar Jackson or Mahomes again, but I would be very I, I'm unlikely to want to reach for them for where I think they'll go. So they're sitting here in our. I've I put together one of these grids I do and, and send out. This is I may send this one out. It's I, I wear it's a little, a little bit early um, and things will change. But Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes sitting there in the middle of the third round. I, I tend to feel someone gets trigger happy on a quarterback, and it only needs one person. Well, I guess two this year. Um, to take them. So I generally count on not getting them. I was, was very surprised to see Aaron Rodgers there in the fifth last year. Um, uh, yeah, I agree. I doubt I'll, I'll get them. Um, I mean, looking at the, the this chart I've got, any preferences on where you would want to go? I mean, the question could be translated as, do you want first pick and get Christian McCaffrey, which you would presumably do. But looking at sort of how the first few rounds would play out, are you sort of liking so, any, any patterns? 
So I'd like first pick and Christy McCaffrey, as you say. Um, I passed up. On, I passed up on him last year. I had number two pick, and I and I took Zeke instead of him. Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey I just didn't like him. Just... I did. I didn't like him. I didn't like yeah, him. Yeah, that was a mistake. I was wrong. Um, McCaffrey's just a, a freak uh, at this. He was so good last year. He's uh, like a running back one and a wide receiver two together. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it would be great to have first pick. I don't particularly want second or third um, because I think that there, there's a drop off by the time it comes back round to you. Like I did last year. Um, yeah. So, I mean, looking at this, just for people who, who don't have this chart in front of them, you've got McCaffrey at one, Barkley at two, Zeke at three, Kamara at four, and which, Cook at which, five. which to, to to stop after four, that's the same top four as last year. Yeah. So I think for once we've got a bit of stability in in. Exactly, and then you've got Cook at five. I think Cook at five. I think, yeah, I'd actually quite like to end up picking fifth, I think. Because, again, if you see when it loops back round, you've got Chris Goodwin um, or Mike Evans. Um, his, name's, his name's Godwin, but I'll forgive you. Is it, Godwin? it is Godwin, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I think the top five are all really good and really good running backs. And so I'd be happy with any of them. Obviously, I'd love McCaffrey. I think if you end up picking two or three, then it feels like there's a drop-off after Godwin and Evans. Um, and so I, I, I feel that's not a, a prime spot. But even if I dropped to eight or nine, I, I'd be happy with that. Because at the moment, you've got Thomas at six, Adams at seven, Henry at eight, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at nine, uh, the new Kansas City running back, who I was hoping he'd be lower because I was, I, I was ready to take a punt on him. Because from, from draft day, I, I think he'll be good. Yeah, well, it was the Damian Williams factor. It was, it was how will that play out? And then Damian Williams is now sitting out the season, I think, to look after his mum, who is, I think, got cancer, um, but is unwell in some chronic way and has decided to prioritise that. So fair play to him. But it does move Clyde Edwards-Hilaire up because his only competition now, I think, is DeAndre Washington, one of, one of those, some, someone, one of the Oakland backup guys or some, someone like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll say I've been doing some mock drafts around the 8 to 10 mark, really just because I've had high picks the last couple of years and I just think that can't continue. <laughs> um, and I think 8 to 10 is sometimes the more the most difficult because if you're doing 11, 12, which I think I did in our first year, you, you basically got two picks in a row and then you just sort of sit it out and go make a cup of tea. But 8 to 10, you sort of have to, you, you missed out on the top guys and you have to put a bit of work in. But I quite like what snakes back around to you. So I think you can end up with um, that next tier of running backs, which I'm just reading it off, Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs you can end up with one of those before it then drops back to Kelsey, depending whether you, you, you sort of rank him up with the running backs or the next wide receivers. But then there's a bunch of wide receivers. Like you say, it was the kind of difficulty I had last year um, of um, once you've missed out on those guys, then you're into probably a tier of wide receivers that are quite similar for about a round. Um, yeah. And you're, you've, you're basically picking two of those instead of another, another top guy. Yeah, and, and I, I think that I was saying I, I want to load up on, on running backs in the first three rounds. And again, on this chart, I think after the third round, it, there's a big drop off in, in running backs. Um, because in the third round, you've got Chris Carson, Lennon Fournette, Todd Gurley and David Johnson. I think at least three of them are high risk, but potentially high reward. Chris Carson might be a, a, a little bit different. But um, I think after that, yeah, I don't know. There's there's not necessarily a huge amount there um, that that you'd want to rely on. There's a lot of people in kind of 
timeshare battles that it may be a battle or it may just be a timeshare um so there's certainly usable people in rounds five six seven but you don't you maybe you sort of as your flex spot but um if you could if you could get two players above that i think you'd be more happy um I'm yeah, and, and as I say, that, that's why I'm, I'm not going to be unhappy with a late late round pick because I can then probably pick up two good, solid running backs or like a, a, a good running back and a good wide receiver. Um, like your Thomas Adams, Hopkins, Julio, and Tyreek. Mm. Where's Hopkins gone? He's, he's gone to Arizona, hasn't he? Arizona, yeah, which is so yeah. just uncertainty there about what that, what that will look like. Kyler Murray does like to throw it around. Um, I think there'll be targets there. They'll be a, a aggressive. They're pretty quick-paced. But it's just a new system, and I mean, he, he's going to be the focal point. Well, why would you get him to to, to not be? Um, yeah, but just that uncertainty. You know, OBJ well, one, went to one interesting, and, yeah. yeah, one interesting point that I um I read about this season being a bit different to other seasons is that the players who are coming into new systems they've not had as much time in training camp this year mm. because of COVID, and so that there, there may be extra risk there. So that would be. Like looking in the first round, that would be Edward Hilaire, Hopkins. Is Julio still at Atlanta? Yeah, Julio's still there. Okay. Yeah, there's generally right. stability. Yeah, I'm looking through and trying to find the next person who's moved around. I mean, there's some rookies coming in. They wouldn't be till later. Yeah, but yeah. I, I suppose you're also looking at Godwin and Evans um, purely because the quarterback's changed. Yeah. With Brady. Um, without without, uh, without Jameis there to sling. <laughs> 40 passes a game. Exactly. That's, that's, yeah. that's a whole new thing. Um, but so, I don't know. That, that's one thing I read which, which sort of made sense to me, but it's all, it's, who, who knows? I think this season could be, you could get some real surprises with the players because of the COVID thing. It, it might be a bit more unpredictable. Um, okay. Uh, what about tight ends? We haven't talked about tight ends at all. I'm, I'm seeing here there's a Kelsey in round two. There's a Kittle in round three. Mark Andrews round four. Zach Ertz now down at round six. And then they're just kind of spotted throughout the rest of the draft, eight, nine, um, down, down in 12. What's your approach yeah. to tight ends? I think that you've got Kelsey and Kittle, who, like, if I can pick them up for good value, then I probably will. After that, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm really not that keen on drafting high on tight ends because there's not many consistent tight ends. Sort of take a flyer on somebody and, 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 and hope, you, hope you win. Um, there's, I mean, I know I got towards the end of last season, I, I got Tyler Higby just as he went on a four week, um, streak of doing well, the rest of the season, I got had nothing in my tight end. Mm. So I think that's another one where, where I'm happy streaming week to week if necessary and, and hope I mm. get lucky after the season starts. Um, maybe Zaka could be an interesting one. I don't, I don't know why he's down so low actually in the sixth round. I think it's because um, he's he's getting older. He's sort of is he thirty one or he's, he's getting he's getting on his older side, and he's benefited a lot in the last few years with targets from the fact that all his wide receivers around him have disappeared, and he's been the only man left on the field. And he is now, like any season, they've got a full complement wide receivers. Dallas Goddard's getting getting better. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Sixth round looks pretty good value for him there. I generally think these tight ends are fairly well priced and so if one falls into my lap i'll take them I, i've kind of gone on a bit of a journey with tight ends because i originally just didn't really put any value on them and then didn't score any points from them and, and found myself having to try and find one or trade for one um and then i had the season where i had to play two 
Um, and I drafted Gronk in the second round and he was useless and scored zero points in the final and cost me that one. Um, and actually somewhere later round guys worked out well. Um, I can't remember who they were now, but like, then last year I'd, I got Kittle in the end of the second, quite happy, kind of paid off at his value. Um, yeah, so I've kind of tried everything. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't have a particular strategy in mind with it. I'll um, see what comes through. Yeah, I, I yeah, tight ends are, they're generally, you don't get a lot from them. You've got, you've got your four or five tight ends each season do well, and, and the rest is just so up and down each week. You just hope you get lucky on a week-to-week basis. I'm always quite happy when I've, when I've had a good one that you don't have to worry about it, but um, I don't like what I have to spend to get one. I don't like what I'm getting giving up to, 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 to get them. Yeah. All right. Okay, good. Um, so this has been good. And I do, we're, we're doing this over Zoom, I should mention. Um, and supposedly these things cut out after 40 minutes. Um, so it could happen at any moment. Um, but I think we'll just to end up here, um, talk about a few of the differences this season to previous seasons. So do you want to say a little bit about, obviously, the, the, the big thing in the world this year is COVID and what kind of impacts that that might have on fantasy football and particularly our league? Yeah, so like, as I said, in terms of how it's going to affect sort of fancy generally, um, I think that you, you may well see players sort of dropping out, more players dropping out for a couple of weeks through injury, IR, who knows. Um, I don't think we're going to really know how many people are going to be getting infected. But football is not a sport like baseball where <laughs> you, you, you can actually stay fairly apart from other players. Mm-hmm. If a couple of people get it, then it's going to go through the whole team quickly and the opposition. So like, we have no idea, which is why we've got the second IR spot. Uh, so do you want to talk about that? What, what that is and how, how we're using it? Yeah. So, I mean, as we all know, we, we, we've had one IR spot for the last two or three years. So if a player's out injured, um, you don't actually have to drop him and you, you can replace him. You can just put him in, in the IR we're introducing a second this year because of COVID, because we think there's a decent chance there will be um, a lot more injuries, a lot of people out. And then what we're saying is that the second spot can only be used for COVID-related injuries. Uh, unfortunately, ESPN doesn't have a way of actually enforcing that. So we're um, operating an honour system to some extent. We'll, we'll be keeping an eye on it as commissioners, but um, I don't think we're going to be checking every single week or every single day. Um, I've, but, don't worry, I've, I've written some bot scripts to be uh, scraping everyone's team on an hourly basis to see what they're up to. So nobody, nobody <laughs> think they can cheat the system here, please. <laughs> uh, that, that doesn't surprise me, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't know whether there'll be a lot. I, I, don't even, I haven't even read what the NFL is doing to try and stop the players getting COVID. Um, I'm assuming it's not a bubble like they've been using for NBA and stuff. So it's hard to know what will happen there. Um, it, it may turn out that you don't need any extra IR spots. It may be that two IR spots are just not enough. Um, whatever. We've gone with what we've gone with and, and we'll, we'll play it by ear. Yeah. And I think for me, just to explain a bit of the decision here is COVID means injury rates are going to be up. You know, there's just a new, a new type of injury out there. So we want to keep the game broadly balanced the way it's been in the past. But I don't want to overly you know, to an extent, if you get suffered by injuries, your teams are going to hurt and that's part of the game. So I, I don't want to overly kind of correct on this one. Um, so yeah, we're adding one additional um, spot, which I hope will give some parity to how things have been in, in the past. The player does have to be COVID related to injuries. Um, and we hope they'll soften things somewhat, but also it's going to introduce a element of randomness. I mean, you might have 
you might have drafted Zeke, who is pretty ro- robust around injuries, and he might get COVID, and then suddenly you've, you're without your, your number one running back. Um, you know, he could have also done his ACL. So it's in that respect, it's just part of the game. Um, but, you know, injury rates are, are higher up. And as you say, we, we just don't know. N- nobody may get COVID, or whole teams may get it. And I don't know what the, the league does if, if um, a whole team goes down. I mean, the other thing that you'd brought up was what happens to our league if the NFL goes down? And you put forward a proposal. I think it's been well received so far. Um, do you want to explain what that is? Yeah. So if it's less than 10 weeks in, so just say after eight weeks, there's too much COVID and they just abandon the season. Um, the whole season's not null and void. There's not, not enough games to do it. So we, uh, we, we roll the entry fees over to next year. Um, however, if 10 weeks have been played, then we just, say, okay, this is effectively a full season and we just go with the, the placings in the league. So um, based on the number of wins and then the normal tie breaks of total number of points or whatever the tie breaks are, and then you pay out like that. I think the one difference is if there's no playoffs, then there's no sort of winner of the toilet bowl. So that money just gets chucked onto the winner's money. Okay. Um, that, that's the plan. I mean, if other people have better plans, Great, but um, I just think we need something written down for the season. Yeah, I think I think that's the important thing is it doesn't really matter what it is as long as it's broadly fair. We just can't be deciding it once the season started because everyone then has their own positions yeah. they're in to defend. So I mean, I, to me, that sounds that sounds perfectly reasonable. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think I think the one unknown for the season where where it could really start messing with things is if individual games get called off on a week week to week basis. Mm. Um, are the, just say that the, the Cowboys-Giants game gets called off because too many players get COVID. Are the healthy players from there entitled to go into the IR spots? Um, well, I hadn't actually thought of that. But I, I, think, I, well, I think so. It depends how it because we've had this before where lightning affected a game, but it was week one, so that just became the bye, and then that was that was that. But um, that was lucky, kind of. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'd say there is. Um, we're not alone in the fantasy football community. So we can sort of see what everyone else is doing. And yeah, there, there may be cases where we have to just make a, make a rule on the fly. I agree. And we will generally just follow whatever ESPN suggests, I think. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah. The other one that's come out, I think I put it forward is um, last year was the first year we used auction waivers, um, which I, which I enjoyed, um, except I spent all my money on rubbish. And then Andy was able to outbid me with like $1 bids at the end. Um, we decided last year not to introduce waivers around, sorry, money to uh, augment trades and transfers. Um, really just as we were still getting used to it and what this all means. But a year in now, I think we do know what it means. And I put it out there to see what people thought about using waiver money to, I suppose, find that balance in a trade that, that might be slightly missing if you're, um, if you're just trying to match player to player. Um, you know, if sometimes you're very close, but if you just added in ten dollars in there, you might you might get there. Um, what's your your view on that? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Last year, I, I was definitely no, let's let's not do that. It's complicated enough as it is. Mm. Getting used to it, and I was actually pleasantly surprised with how it worked last year because I, 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 we there were disagreements about how it should be implemented, but I thought it actually worked pretty well in the end. Mm. Um, so it was interesting that. A lot of people, or some people, spent a lot of time on it. But actually, last year was pretty quiet on the waiver wire. Yeah, there were yeah, lots of good players to pick up. There was a lot of guessing. 
Um, and nothing, nobody really good came out of it from what I could see. No. Um, I spent I spent money on Jalen Samuels three times. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was Benny I mean, Snell. I I, was, I, <laughs> Benny Snell was ended up being the uh, the backup. <laughs> yeah. I think I spent money on my on my defenses each week and that was fine. But yeah. and then towards the end of the season I realized I had a ton of money left, so I spent like lots of money on players which just weren't which weren't really good, but that, that's fine to save your money till, till the end in different tactics. Yeah. But I just quite enjoyed the extra level of um, um, sort of tactics, but now that we've had it for a year, I, I just feel that why not add something it's a reasonable. bit extra in on, on the trades? Mm-hmm. Um, it's up to other people if, if, if they agree, but it, it's just another way of, tra- of Dave trading and, and uh, <laughs> Dave trading. sort of trying to figure it out. I'm, I'm sure I've not looked at the stats, but, you must be involved in probably about a third of the trades, if not more. I like to, I like to do it. Yeah, I live for it. Because you, you can only play a game on a Sunday, maybe one on a Thursday and a Monday, but um, you can trade any day of the week. So yeah, that keeps, keeps, me, keeps, keeps me interested. I don't know. I might be a bit more, um, a bit less time this year having a baby. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Did you have one last year, Dave? No, we were pregnant last year. Uh, uh, October, <laughs> Tell you when, you when your daughter's birthday is. Maybe I think um, I think after because you're right I had a really bad start last year I think after Lucy was born I went on like a four week streak of winning all my games so uh, yeah I vaguely remember um, all right good and then the final thing is next week next Friday evening we're gonna have um, the little hundred yard dash to decide the draft order it was a good bit of fun. Um, might be possible to do that via a screen share or something live. I'm not sure, but um, I've always just picked a time, videoed, videoed the clock going over the time and sent it out. It's probably the easiest way to do it. Um, and then on Sunday, we're going to have a mock draft for those interested. Um, it will be done on the normal ESPN site. So you will get notifications that the draft is starting and if you don't participate that you've missed out on it. But it, we will then reset it for the, for the real one. Um, your draft order will be um, your proper place plus six so that you're drafting from a very different position than the real draft um and we will have a look at how that goes i'm hoping i don't know i'm hoping sort of four to six people might show up it'd be great if more than that came um it'd be okay if it didn't um and then we can see see how that goes but if you are available next week we're going to do it quicker we're going to have a 30 second per pick and probably fewer people on so it should go quite quickly um but it should be fun um get involved if it's the first thing you've done on it it will help you get back in the rhythm of uh how to make picks and what to think about and now that everybody is expert in video chat because of the last six months, um, we should just set up a video chat maybe for the 100 meter race and also for the mock draft and the actual draft. All right, if we want to. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I've become an expert in Zoom about an hour ago when I fi- finally signed up for an account and tried to get Andy joined to this. So yeah, I'll, I, can, I, can, I can do that. Um, yeah, we can, I can do screen share, can't I? I can hit, hit go do screen share. And we can all sit around in our... That, 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 that's easier than videoing the uh, the hundred meter dash if we actually do it live. As long as we've got two or three people on, um, it'll be an easier way of doing it. Yeah, ha- happy to do that. I mean, the one thing about the the dash is it gives you a link at the end that I can I can send the link out and people can rewatch it in their own machines. So that that works yeah. all right. But you know, I can do I can do live chat. That's gonna be great. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Andy. This is the first time we've had we've had you on to talk about stuff. Um, year four. Um, very best of luck to you in the mock draft, and um, less luck to you in the real draft. So, uh... <laughs> thanks, Dave. And, and exactly the same back at you. So. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much. Take care. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Bye.